want you to turn to Revelation chapter number 5. And I love hearing those pages turn, so please, let's not be lazy this morning. If you have your phones, I I have a, uh, pastors have this. It's like a spidey sense. It's like a sixth sense. We can hear you swiping on your phone. So get out your e-Bibles, your your phone Bibles, get there. And I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 5. Last year, late summer, I had a few of our church members come up and challenge me. And they said, Pastor, would you take us through the entire book of Revelation. I'm not going to do that today, just so you, you can breathe. It's okay. But I was, I was scared. I was nervous. It was, it was very intimidating to do that because I know Revelation is deep. Revelation is out there. I, I knew some of it. I've read through it. But to actually take a church through it verse by verse, uh, to me, as a guy who certainly has a lot to learn still, it was very intimidating. But I prayed about it. I felt heavy on my heart that this is what God was leading me to do. So on Wednesday nights, that's what we did. And we started in last October, and I went word by word, verse by verse, and we got through it. It took me 10 months to do, but we got through it. And let me tell you, it was a blessing, and it changed my life, and it changed my walk. And so this morning, I want to give you just a snippet of that, and that's what's going to bring us to Revelation chapter number five. And we are going to get through uh, all of this chapter today, but if you're physically able to, if you're there, if you would stand with me this morning to honor the reading of the Word of God, Revelation chapter number five, and we're going to open and begin with just the first two verses. It says this, beginning in verse one, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? The title of our message this morning, taken directly from that verse, is Who is Worthy? Let's pray. Father, I ask for, for the next few moments, Lord, that you would give me your words, Lord. I need your spirit. I need, um, I need just what you want me to say, Lord. I pray that my thoughts, my wisdom, uh, even some of the distractions and fogginess that I may have, Lord, that you would take those away. Lord, your people don't need to hear from me this morning. They need to hear from you. So, Lord, I pray that the message given this morning would be one that comes directly from the heavens. Lord, if there are those, and I know that there are, that are here this morning that don't have hope, that are discouraged, that need to be lifted up, that need to be reminded, as we all do, of who you are and how great you are. Lord, I pray that you would lay that on our hearts this morning. You're a good God. We love you. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Let me give you, by starting out this morning, some earth-shattering news. You've never heard this. You never knew this. This is going to rock your world. This may bring tears for some of you, but here it is. This world is a deep, dark, and wicked place. Okay, that didn't shock anybody, right? We know that. We know that before our very eyes, and I don't recommend it, but some of y'all may turn on the news, and you don't have to watch it for very long to know that this world is falling apart. And the older I get, the more and more I am seeing this and learning this. And let me tell you something else I'm learning too at the older I get. Many of you could, could amen this as well. Life is hard. It's hard. Whoever said life was easy, it's a breeze, you can get through it, they've never lived. Because life gets hard. And doesn't it seem like sometimes, many times, it just gets harder and harder and harder. When we look at our nation, well... It seems to be falling apart at the seams. 
When we look at our churches, many of our churches in this great country today are struggling to grow. They're struggling to have an impact on the lost community for the name of Christ. And then we can look at our very own families. We can get intimate and get very real and look within and we can see that many of our families are a mess. They're falling apart. Our marriages our relationships with our children and our grandchildren, maybe we even just look within our own self and say, my life is a mess. My life is falling apart. The culture is impacting all of these things, pulling us apart, pulling us in different directions. And if you're anything like me this morning, it it doesn't take very long for us to step back and look at all of these things and we start feeling very hopeless, very helpless, Saying, is there an end in sight? These things that I'm struggling with, these these trials that never seem to go away, that light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel that used to be there, that's fading, and I don't know that I'm going to even get through tomorrow. Is there any hope through these things? And this is exactly where we meet the Apostle John this morning. The Apostle John is the one who scribed this book under the Holy Spirit inspiration. He's, he's seeing things. And, and, and John uh, coming here was, was privileged by the Lord to get a sneak peek into things that, that no one in here has ever had an opportunity to see. And surely I haven't as well. Only John. And if you are to study this book and look at the details, if, if we didn't know it was John and we didn't know it was the Holy Spirit, we would look back and say, have you been taking LSD? Are you on a bad acid trip? Have you, I mean, what did you eat last night before you went to bed? Because the things he describes in this book are beyond wild. I mean, it is crazy. But here's the sobering thing is that they're true. And it's documented in our inspired Word of God. So therefore, we need to heed those things. So already, through the first four chapters of Revelation, John has, has received the letters to the seven churches, with the seven churches there in Asia, Asia Minor, and uh, Jesus had a message to get to them. He's also caught a glimpse of things to come on the earth, and, and if, if you're not familiar with it, things that are going to happen that have not happened yet on this earth are not good. Uh, there's going to be a massive amount of death. There's going to be a massive amount of destruction. Uh, there are times where it seems that Satan is in complete control over everything. Praise the Lord if you're a believer. I don't believe we'll be here. I believe at, the, at this point we will be raptured out. So he has seen all of these things, but God has also given him a glimpse of heaven. And this is what I get excited about. This is cool because these are things that you and I are going to see. Uh, he, he describes in one of the chapters what the very throne of God looks like. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing? We've always thought about it and, and pictured it. But can you picture just for a minute literally standing before the throne of God? Describes the form of God on that throne. Describes this, this beautiful rainbow uh, that, that goes over top of, of the throne and encompasses it. Uh, he also uh, describes there just the general beauty of heaven. And one thing that we'll talk about today is, is describes a worship service that happens in heaven. Now maybe you say, I, I've been to some of the best concerts. I've been to some of the best worship services on the face of this earth. Fooey, you have not seen anything until we have been to this worship service in heaven. It's going to be awesome. 
And then just like a movie that is being played out, and that's how I always try to, I have a movie type mind, so I try to just picture it through my head like it is a movie. Here we come this morning to chapter 5. And we're going to see a roller coaster ride in this chapter. This chapter is going to start out with a lot of sadness and, and heartbreak, some, some desperation and, and hopelessness. But by the end of this chapter, you're going to see a hero emerge onto the screen. How many of you love superhero movies in here? Oh, I know you all are lying. Every hand would go up in here. We love those movies where it seems hopeless. This is going to fall apart. Nothing is going to work out the way it should. It's doom and gloom. And then all of a sudden, boom, kicks in that back door, that superhero to come in to save the day. It's awesome. And that's what we've got here in chapter 5. So let's pick up where we left John in our story today. With, uh, if you're taking notes, the very first point in our, our outline this morning is this. I'll ask it in the form of a question. Is there hope? Is there hope? It's valid. And maybe that's you wondering that today. Maybe where you're at in your circumstance and your life. Is there hope for me through this or that situation? Or is there hope for this person? So as we read from our earlier verses there in verse 1, we see that John has seen a book. The Bible mentions a book. It can also be trans, transcribed or translated as a scroll, and we are familiar with what a scroll would be like. Uh, and it is sealed with seven seals. And I want you to picture, as we've seen in ancient times, those old waxy seals, and they would seal it. And you had to break those seals in order to open up the scroll or the book to see what was on there. This book has uh, seven seals that are in it. Now you may ask, what is in the scroll? What's, what is in this book? Very good question. Uh, there are many theories on this. Some people believe there are different contents than others. I will just give you what I believe this morning. I believe the scroll that they're talking about here is a title deed to the earth in its fullness. It's a title deed showing ownership, much like we would get uh, when we, we pay off a car, right? What happens when you pay off your loan to your car? You receive in the mail a title, right? Showing that this is my vehicle, I own it, my name is on here, this is my property. Uh, y'all pray for me this week. We recently just paid off my wife's van, and the bank is in Dayton. We've been in Florida, paid it off over the summer. I've still not received any paperwork. I got to get those plates switched over to Florida because I don't feel like getting a ticket and having my car impounded. So I go to the bank and they're giving me all kinds of fits. And I'm trying to explain to them, listen, I've paid off your loan. I don't owe you anything. You've got to give me this title. So y'all pray for me. I got to deal with that this week while we're in town. I don't want to make headlines. You know, pastor loses his cool and starts flipping tables at the bank because we paid it off. So that title's mine. Those of you who are homeowners, what do you get? You get deed paperwork. We get in Florida, we do. We get the deed paperwork showing that this is my property. I'm making payments that this is where uh, we reside. And uh, so that's what I believe is, is on this. Jeremiah 32 actually gives us a reference. You don't have to turn there. But Jeremiah 32 actually describes Jewish titles uh, then being sealed, which kind of gives us that example uh, relative to what uh, Revelation is saying here. Now we know this. We we know that God never lost the earth, right? We would say, why does, why does God need this? We, we know that, that this belongs to the earth, that God has he's never lost control. He's never lost possession. But when we look at things like Satan, 
We look at things like sin that has filled this earth. We know this very quickly, that we live and dwell in an earth that God did not create. You may say, clarify that. God created perfection. God literally created heaven on earth. Then something and somebody crept in and messed it all up. And who was it? Well, it was Pastor Drew. It was you. It was Satan, but it was our sin. It was our sin that filled the earth. So many times as a pastor, we all have people that come and they say, why did God allow this? Why did God allow that tragedy? Why why would God allow this horrible thing to happen? I love him, I serve him, I'm working for him. And many times, to be honest with you, pastors, we've got to say this, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this, that this was not the world that God created. He created perfection for us. We messed it up. We've got to own that. And if we can't, we're not being honest with ourselves. We messed it up. Therefore, we need a redeemer. And so I believe this scroll, in a sense, is God's title deed as he prepares to cleanse it and purify what has been rightly his all along. What a moment to know that God's got his scroll and we can get this thing open. He's going to come down and make every wrong right, purge every sin. Aren't you ready to be, for sin to be gone? Aren't you ready for sickness and disease to be gone? Aren't you ready for death to be gone? That's what this is bringing. And then in verse 2, we see this angel. Do you read the angel there? He's coming and proclaims really a very valid question. He says this, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals? Who's worthy to do that? I mean, literally, we've got the title deed to the earth. Who is worthy to break open these seals and read the contents therein? Well, the Bible answers that question in verse 3. It says, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Not even to look at it. So that's pretty all-encompassing. That explains everybody. Let's start with this. It says, no man found in heaven is worthy to open this book and this scroll. Now, there are some pretty honorable men in heaven that we can think of. Think of men like uh, Noah, or Abraham. Boy, he was a, a faithful man. How about Job? Everything that he went through. How about one of my personal favorite, the Apostle Paul? I mean, he penned under inspiration almost a half, if not more, than our New Testament. Not worthy to open the book. John the Baptist, not worthy. How about King David? Literally from the lineage family that Jesus came from, not even King David, worthy to open the book. Moses, not worthy. Daniel, not worthy. It also says this, that no man on the earth was worthy to open the book. So that means Donald Trump is not worthy. This next one, which will go without saying, President Biden is definitely not worthy to open the book. You can laugh at that. That's okay. We're loose here. Vladimir Putin, not worthy. Kim Jong, not worthy. Kim Mitchell, not worthy. Pastor Tony, not worthy. My wife, even though if we turned out the lights, there'd be a halo glowing above her head. Not worthy. No man under the earth is worthy. Adolf Hitler, not worthy, obviously. Karl Marx. Think of men like Napoleon, Fidel Castro, not worthy. The interesting thing is that for over 6,000 years, man has attempted, in his metaphorically speaking, to open that scroll to try to enforce world peace. 
And that's what this is all about. But let me fill you in on something this morning. World peace will only come with God. It will only come with God. Why? Why don't we have the ability to do it? Because we aren't worthy. You're not. I'm not worthy. So what is John's response when he gets this news? I want you to look at verse 4. It says, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And so we, we see John... It's, it's just like a balloon that's losing its air. He, he loses hope and he's, he's weeping. And, and notice it doesn't say he's, he's just weeping. It says he, he wept much, meaning that he wept uncontrollably. Have you ever wept uncontrollably before? Where you're not just dabbing your eyes, it's not sniffle, it's not even just a light crying. I mean, you're, you're hooping as we would call it. You're, you're, you're weeping. You're, you're crying. I mean, it's, you've kind of lost control. You're in so much sorrow. And you would say, why? Why is John weeping? Why is he so broken, all of this? Because he knew that this was the earth's last chance. If no one can open this scroll, if God can't proclaim that it's all his, then it's hopeless. Everything that he had worked for in his life, everything that he had done in his ministry, everything that the church had purged forth, forward to in his time was all in vain. It was hopeless. And he realized that without this scroll being opened, that there is no happy ending. And this would be a tough pill to swallow, that if there is no happy ending then Satan has won. And Satan's the victor. I also believe that John weeps because he knows that he can't get the title to earth. I, I would feel that way as a pastor. To know that, man, if I could just do it. If I, I mean, I, I feel, you know, I'm a pastor and I know I'm still a sinner, but maybe there's a way that I could get to the scroll and I could get it open and I could get this ball rolling, but, but it can't happen. Why? Because none of us are worthy. You need redemption just as much as I need redemption. Maybe this morning, this is you. Maybe this has been you. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, I'm at the end of my rope. I've lost hope. I'm desperate. I'm clinging to little shreds. I'm, maybe you're here and you're, you're struggling through broken dreams. As you remember all of those things that could have been. Those dreams that you had that you chased and things that, that should have been and now it's all falling apart. And it's just, it's been, it's just ashes and it's, it's just all been destroyed. Maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling so worthless and so helpless that all you can do is weep. Has that ever been you? I've been there. Is there hope? Is there hope? Number two, and I'll answer the question. Yes. Point number two is this. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Let's continue on in our story in verse 5. It says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And so John is, is weeping, and he's weeping so uncontrollably here that, that he actually has to be interrupted 
one of these elders has to come up and actually stop him from his crying and say, John, stop. You don't need to weep. You don't need to be in despair. You don't need to be crying. There is one who is worthy. All hope is not lost. We're not throwing in the towel and giving it up. There is one who can, under, who can open the scroll. And look at this in verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne... And of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And so John is interrupted by this elder here who's explaining to them that there is one. There's one worthy, and it is a lion. It is a lion of Judah. And just like that, if you can go back to your movie picture, uh, I picture like smoke and music and some lights and like you're getting this grand entrance. I don't know what it's going to be like in heaven, but it's going to be cool. I know that. Here's John looking, and he's waiting for this lion. Remember, the elder described him as a lion. He's waiting for this big, strong, ferocious lion to come in to be the victor, you know, who can take it. But he doesn't see a lion, does he? Did you notice one animal he saw in there? He saw a lamb. Interesting. And I wonder if there was a little bit that, that John was taken back. He's expecting a lion. We've got a lion and we've got a lamb. And if you know anything about animals, you know that they're very different animals. You're not expecting that at all. So, so it does beg the question, was the elder wrong? Was he wrong in calling this hero, this victor, who we know is Jesus Christ, a lion instead of a lamb? Well, absolutely not. He was correct in calling Jesus a lion because what Jesus is preparing to do here is to judge the earth and to completely take control over the throne of David. So why a lamb? Why didn't he just come out as a lion? Why does he come out as a lamb? And here's why. Because Jesus prevailed by way of his human sacrifice. If you go back and study the Old Testament, you needed to atone to your sins by this sacrifice that was without blemish. Well, the same thing is needed with us. And guess what? I'm not spotless. I have many, many blemishes. Again, just ask my wife. You have blemish, but there was one. And he sacrificed himself for you. Notice that it says the lamb was slain. So we're not going to see a spotless lamb in Jesus when we see him for the first time. You know what's really cool? Is you're going to see the scars that are still there on him. Can you imagine just for a moment standing before Jesus Christ? I mean, for real, in the flesh. And you're going to look at him. And you're going to look at his hands. And you're going to see the holes where they drilled those spikes through. You're going to look down at those holy, precious feet. And you're going to see where he, they nailed the spikes through his feet where he hung on the cross. If you ask Jesus, Jesus, can I see your side? And he was to show you his side. You're going to see a hole there where the Roman soldier thrust a spear. And you would say, why in the world would those scars still be there? Why would eternity not heal the scars on him like they will me. Here's why. Those scars are going to be there as a constant reminder of why we are permitted into heaven. If you think you're in heaven because you're a nice person, you're wrong. If you think you're going to get to heaven because you're good, 
because you help homeless or you help people that are under addiction or you are, are going out of your way to donate to charity or, or maybe because you even attend church. You're a member of a Baptist church or you, or you let Pastor Chris or Tony baptize you. If you think any of those are reasons why you're there, you're mistaken. Those scars will be there so that every time we look upon our Savior, we're going to remember the cost. We're going to remember what He gave when He gave His life on that cross. And He didn't do it for His own glory. He didn't do it for accolades. He did it because He loved us. And that is humbling. That's why you will see those scars when He is in heaven. Continuing on in verse 8, and when He had taken the book... The four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which is also incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let's stop there just for a minute. Just kind of a cool side note. Did you know every prayer you've ever prayed in your life, God keeps it? He doesn't throw it away. He doesn't discard it. He doesn't say, oh, that was a junky one, you know, poo pile. He keeps it because it's precious to him. And he keeps it in these vials. And, and what a sign that is of how precious we are and how loved we are by Almighty God. Continuing in verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. Verse number 12. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. tell you, you say, that's a lot. What is going on here? Let me sum it up for you very easily. You're seeing an instant party erupt in heaven, an instant celebration. Because if we go just a few moments before, there's no hope. Nobody can open the scroll. Nobody's good enough. All this is going on on the earth. Satan's running around laughing. People are dying. There's all kinds of craziness going on. We've got to fix this and there's no hope. Well, now all of a sudden, instantly, here comes our hero. And now there is hope. And let me tell you, we'd be having quite the party too. We would be having quite the worship service in here too. So who's all involved in this? It's led by the, the 24 elders and the four beasts. Don't confuse this with the beast that is the Antichrist. Uh, these beasts represent the Gospels. And so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, heaven, it says heaven sings a new song. And let me point this out to you. I know it's not an issue here. I always have to point this out at our church. New songs are okay in church. They are, because we're going to sing a new song here in heaven that you've never heard and I've never heard. And so new songs are okay. God creates them. We are to sing them. We are going to be in unison singing here this brand new song. Who is here? All the beasts, all the hosts of heaven, all of the angels. Think about all of the Old Testament saints, all of the New Testament saints. We are singing a new song saying this, you are worthy. 
And it's not directed towards anyone in heaven other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. And you may say, how many angels are there? Do you see that big number in verse 11? If you, took it out, if you do the math on that, it's around 100 million angels. 100 million angels plus thousands of thousands who will gather to join this celebration. I don't know how big concert or worship service you've ever been at. I have never been at one that has that, that size. Can you imagine the magnitude of that amount of, of beings and people, souls there, that will be singing in praise? And uh, it's not going to be like some of us are off-tune singing. It's going to be perfect harmony, and it's going to be singing to Jesus Christ, who alone is worthy, and it's going to be amazing. That's what I call a celebration. Is there hope? Yes, Jesus is our hope. And point number three, and lastly, this morning, I ask you a question. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? This chapter here closes with, with all of heaven giving Jesus the honor where he has certainly earned the honor. Read with me verses 13 and 14. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. This, this is everything. If you didn't understand that, that encompasses every creature that's ever been and ever will be. Heard I saying, it's all the same thing here, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Do you have hope today? Some of you are here, and that may be you, and you say, I don't. I don't have hope. Do you need hope today? Yes. That light is fading at the end of my tunnel. Maybe you've thought about taking your own life. Maybe you've thought about calling it quits on your marriage. Maybe you've thought about cutting your kids off or cutting your parents off because the relationship has gotten so toxic. Listen, no matter what you're going through, you need hope today. I need hope today. Trials and valleys, some of you are dealing with sickness some of you deal with disease, things that, that plague you every day. And if we're not careful, we'll lose hope. We get tired. Some of you this morning are dealing with sin. There's a sin that's maybe been, been shackling and holding you down. It could have been for years. You know, we talk about how, how sin shackles us like we're prisoners. That's the truth. It's hard to get up and do anything when I'm held down by those things. You need hope today. Others of you may be here just, just mourning. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe someone who you trusted turned their back on you. And you're struggling. You need, you need hope today. This church is, is such a blessing. And, and we have so many resources. I've met so many amazing people here. I, I just brag on, on you guys all the time. Um, if you're here this morning, you say, I have, I have an addiction, I have an addiction, and, and I need to get some help. There's two great men who I've met, Mike Myers and Phil Purdy. I didn't even know he was going to have a table out here today. They would love to help you. If you're here and you say, I have physical needs, or I, I'm, I'm homeless, there's a beautiful blonde-headed lady right here and sitting in the third row named Kim Mitchell, who her heart is bigger than this auditorium for you in that. And so they can help you. But here's the thing, we're not going to put our hope in people. We can't. Or you're going to fall flat because as sweet as Kim is, she'll let you down. 
as much as I would love to help you and pray for you, I will let you down. Those men will let you down. Our hope must always be in Jesus. You say, you say Pastor, where am, I, where am I supposed to be at today? Where am I supposed to be at? Where do I start? Where's the foundation to this whole thing begin? And this is where it is. You need to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on him. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what you're struggling with. He knows, he knows, but he wants to hear it from you. And for many of us today, today could be that day where it's time to take a step back and say, I'm done trying to figure this out myself. I'm done floundering in my mistakes and sins of the past. It's time, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, to step back and say, Jesus, I need you. I don't have hope. I'm going to get real and honest with you. And Jesus, will you come into my life today and fill that void? One more verse, uh, passage, and I'll be done. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today is the day that for the first time you proclaim Him as Jesus Christ the Lord. For those of you who have been Christians and you've strown away, today is that day of reckoning, that prodigal Sunday of coming back to proclaim again, Lord, I am reminding myself that you are in charge of my life, that you are Lord. All of these beings in heaven at this service fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Church, let me give you a message this morning that Jesus is worthy of your eternal praise. He is. He's worthy. He's big enough to handle your problems. You say, but Pastor Drew, you don't know what I'm going through. If anybody else knew, they, they would shun me. They'd kick me out of the church. They, they, would, they would reject me. I don't know that I can disagree with any of those things. Some churches might. Some people might shun you. Some people might reject you. But the world also rejected Jesus Christ. He's big enough to handle your problems. He's big enough to handle your hurt. That hurt that you're holding in your heart that you're floundering around with, that you're living day by day through misery, that I'm not going to share with anybody, I'm not going to let anybody in. This is going to be the end of me. Jesus will handle it. He'll take it. Your sins, your struggles, your dysfunctional family, because we all have those, your marriage that is rotten, that broken relationship that keeps you up all the time with your family, so-and-so, it's just, it's just toxic, it's just nasty. All of those things Jesus can handle. He doesn't want you to keep those to yourself. And we do that. Why do we do that? We stay miserable. We try to figure this thing out called life on our own. How silly. If you need hope today, Jesus is your living hope. And he's alive. He's very much alive. One of my, my most favorite Christian singers, uh, Chris Tomlin, and many of you, you're probably all familiar with him, did a song in the year 2018 that, that I go to when I'm hurting, when I go to when my hope is starting to decline. And let me just read you some of the lyrics from this song. It says this, do you feel the world is broken? We do. 
Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that we could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He was David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. The song closes with this. It says, Is He worthy? Is He worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is He worthy? Is He worthy? Is He worthy of this? He is. He is. He is. He is. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy.